Welcome, everybody. A new Blake Street Irregulars here for you. My name is Sean Drotar. Ronnie Court, as he is every week, joins me. Follow uh, Ronnie Court at Twitter at Ronnie K Radio, and you can follow me at S Drotar, S D R O T A R. As always, the Blake Street Irregulars is brought to you by Tap 14. Tap 14, the rooftop beer garden at 1920 Blake Street. Uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump, as they say, from the Coors Field home plate entrance. They have 70 Colorado draft beers, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, amazing Denver views on that rooftop. They're on the rooftop of Haters & Co. And if you've ever been to Colorado or live in Colorado, you know what the summers are like out here in Colorado, too. So enjoy that, uh, that wonderful menu that they have. Chef Taylor Creedon puts together a great menu. Uh, it rotates seasonally. All the stuff you can imagine before the game, after the game, or even if it's not during a game, it's a great place to take any uh, visitors, whether they're local or not, and get a little bit of that Colorado flavor. So make sure you go visit them at tap14.com. That's tap14 spelled out dot com. Ronnie, where as we see this with the Rockies today, they had just lost their first nationally televised game of the season to the Cardinals. Everyone has been worried locally about how they can gain national respect somehow. I personally think that's a, a complete irrelevant part of the equation, but sure. I get why people want it. And, well, they laid an egg. But the truth of the matter is the Rockies still have the fifth best record in baseball. They are tied, but percentage points behind the Arizona Diamondbacks as we record this in the wild card. But it, it, it doesn't feel still at this point, even 100 games in, or 101 games in as we speak, it still doesn't entirely feel real that the Rockies are this good at the fifth best record in the league. And I think I might have figured out why. Oh, you have the formula. I think I have. Okay. It's because they're not tops in their division. We're in a yes. bizarre year where the, the National League West has the Dodgers as the best team in baseball. The Diamondbacks, like I said, percentage points ahead of the Rockies in this case. So the Rockies are third in their division, which I, I think your instinct as a fan is what teams are contenders? Well, you look at division leaders first and foremost. If you're third in your division, your instinct is to look at that team and say, well, that team's not going to be a serious contender because they're in third place in their own division. But that's a bit of a mirage for the Rockies who managed to dig out of their tailspin and before losing against the, the Cardinals had actually won six out of seven games mm -hmm. and have, have looked pretty good. Uh, does it feel 101 games in, even though we're talking about this, this issue of them being third in the division, does it feel real to you yet that they're this good? Oh, absolutely. Best in baseball? I, I, and, and I don't mean to pat myself on the back or anything like that, but I, I had this team pegged at 87 wins uh, at, at the beginning of the year and a wild card team. This is not going to be a dominant 100-win team, but this team is very, very good, and they have the talent not only in the, the hitting or, or pitching, uh, but also on the defensive side to win a lot of baseball games. They have the fifth best record in the MLB. Now, I think the number that everybody looks at is that GB that's on all the network sites and they see that double digit 11 games back of the Dodgers, 10 games back. Well, the Dodgers are doing things that are just absurd. Absurd. I mean, they're going to they're going to be in the 100 plus win uh territory and you know, you could say that it is unfortunate that a good year by the Rockies right now is being completely dominated by what the Dodgers are doing, but this is a very good team and a very good stepping stone year for the future. 
the Dodgers at this point uh, are on pace for 112 wins. I mean, that's pretty we're, good. We're getting close to the Mariners' <laughs> all-time record there. I mean, we're talking about a, a, an epic season. We understand that Clayton Kershaw now hurt, will miss four to six weeks reportedly, but that hasn't really slowed the Dodgers down. It's amazing that as good as Kershaw is, the Dodgers are so deep and so talented that I don't really expect them to drop off all that much, and they don't need to get Kershaw back, in any hurry at least. At this point, where I look at the Rockies, I'm at the point of the season where I'm like, I forget the Dodgers. Who cares? Forget the Dodgers. As a matter of fact, as weird as it sounds, if you're a Rockies fan, unless they're playing the Rockies, root for the Dodgers. Because all they're doing is knocking down your realistic competition. Yeah. You're not catching them. So every time the, the Dodgers play the Diamondbacks or the Dodgers play the Brewers, the Dodgers play the Cubs or the Pirates, uh, you want the Dodgers to win those games now because you're not going to catch them. You want them to help put a dent in the rest of your opponents that, you're, that are pursuing you for the wild card. One of the, the big stories, of course, over the course of the season has been the struggles of Carlos Gonzalez. And yes, they, it's hard to say they're over. He's still batting 226 on the year it's atrocious it'd be really the worst full season he's ever had but that said over his last five games gonzalez has 11 hits and has had a hit in at least uh, at least one hit in all five of those games now what i find even more promising there sounds a little backwards but he doesn't have anything more than a double he has three doubles yes. in those 11 yes. hits to me that's a good sign because it tells me he's not swinging for the fences. He's not swinging from the hips. He's not over-swinging. He's letting his natural bat speed do the job for him. That gives me belief that maybe this turnaround is real. Well, and, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but that's exactly where I was going. Just given the fact that they are singles and doubles, going back to the fundamentals now of uh, what you do well, because Carlos Gonzalez has not lost a step when it comes to his power and his defense. So it makes me, it doesn't make me think that this year is just a age getting to him type thing. He is getting up into his 30s, but uh, he is still a very solid hitter. And there are times where he proves that this is still too small of a sample size. It's it is. still too small of a sample size, but it is promising seeing that they are just poking it out there. It's a single through the gap. It's a uh, or a single through the the defense, double into the gap, and it's not him swinging for Almighty and and trying to hit the ball 500 feet. And uh, you know if he can continue this and start to build his batting average up, you can make an argument. And I say this about Chad Bettis uh, as well. He is almost like a trade deadline acquisition oh, because the Nuggets, or, or excuse me, the Rockies have seen nothing from him this year. Right, and it would be a potential significant one. The, the thing with Cargom, and if you've listened to this podcast over the weeks and months, we've talked about this. Uh, Cargo's strikeout rate this season is right in line, just a slight percentage points difference from what it's always been. So he's not striking out any more than he usually has. His walk rate, percentage-wise, has actually gone up almost 10%. So this is a guy that's seeing the pitches and has seen them all year. He just hasn't been able to get good contact at them. And I, and I wonder, as a free agent, if he's been, we've wondered this all season, is he pressing? Is he trying to put up big numbers for that upcoming free agent contract that he'd get either from the Rockies or from some other suitor who would be interested in his services. And the more you take a look at it, the more that starts to look like perhaps that was the case, that he was trying to crush it all the time, which is just not his game. His bat speed, his natural power, will bring the ball out of the yard enough times. He's not a guy that needs to hit 40 home runs. He's not Giancarlo Stanton. He doesn't need to be that kind of guy. 
And for the Rockies, if he can get that kind of addition, because you're right, hasn't lost a bit of his defensive ability. And when you hear the Rockies players discuss it, you're in the locker room all the time. They still say that Carlos Gonzalez, despite the fact Nolan Arenado is the best player, Carlos Gonzalez is the man in that locker He's room. A Everybody has a tremendous amount of respect Absolutely. and admiration for him, and, and it's important for him to get things turned around, but the, his teammates have never given up on him. Well, and the contract is certainly, I believe, something that has loomed over him all year long. I mean, the first conversations uh, that I remember when we were in the clubhouse for that first homestand was contract this, contract that. Everybody trying to sit down for a one-on-one, trying to see what Carlos, what is his desires? Does he want to stay here long-term? What kind of deal? It, it, that over time starts to build up. And yeah, you, you kind of get to that mindset where like, wow, you know, I, I do kind of want to, uh, I want to prove it to the team and prove it to the front office that I can put up big numbers. I don't want to get big money and, and paid and all of a sudden, you know, that small mental mindset changes a little bit and then you get away from what made you such a great player in the past and then you're swinging and missing at really bad pitches. I mean, let's face it, earlier in the year, Carlos Gonzalez was swinging at really just uh, pitches that he never swings at. We, we saw lots of at-bats even in the, in recent uh, play by him where he has three and four pitch at-bats. That's generally not yeah. his game. Now, he's not a guy that – he's not Wade Boggs out there fouling off nine pitches and having you know, 12 to 14 But he's a better hitter bats, than that. But he's better than three yeah. and four. Yeah, and certainly, you know, now that uh, – I almost wonder if – post all-star break if there's a sense of I I, I don't want to say uh, giving up on the season as far as putting up those gigantic numbers that would validate a huge huge contract but per se a mindset that's like all right now we're kind of like salvage mode now we're now we're kind of like man this year has just not gotten really exactly the way I've wanted it uh, maybe it's just time to relax and and uh, you know salvage what we can and kind of putting that contract in the back of your mind because now it's really just about playing well because we've seen Carlos Gonzalez be benched at this point because uh, that's how bad he was and you know there is a small little turnaround here I mean we'll see if this lasts I want to see this last over a 20-25 game period before we go crazy and say oh my gosh Carlos is back but certainly it is promising to see him actually make contact with the ball because that is not what was happening about 20 games ago you mentioned before that the idea that a a sort of a refreshed Carlos Gonzalez would be like having a a massive trade deadline addition Uh, Chad Bettis as you mentioned also is one of those guys with a, a remarkable come back from a testicular He's cancer. Incredible. I, I thought that he was probably going to miss the year, and I did not think we'd be talking about this time frame. Chad Bettis is pitching at Albuquerque as we speak. He's now pitched three games at two different levels, at AA Hartford and then at Albuquerque. Look, he doesn't look like he's in form yet. Uh, his first start at Albuquerque didn't really go all that well. Only two and a third frames, you know, gave up uh, six hits in that span. But that really doesn't matter. The idea is that he can get healthy and the rest of it will eventually come. In the meantime, he's using that opportunity in the minor leagues to work on some secondary pitches to uh, refine and enhance a, a curveball and perhaps be at least a smarter and more more varied pitcher when he comes up. So that's another part of it. But- well, and, and talking to Bettis in the, in the clubhouse, um, I finally got the chance to, to actually shake his hand and sit down with him. 
Um, and gosh, he's so inspirational. And it's cra- it is absolutely incredible just to actually see him there pitching. And it's so great. And he and he talks about how it's nice to actually talk about baseball and not right. his personal life. But it's really about endurance at this point, which is absolutely, I mean, again, it's mind-blowing to talk about the fact that he's actually pitching. But now talking about, well, no, my, my pitches are actually quite solid. I've got good bite to the breaking ball. The fastball's there. It's just endurance because he hasn't pitched in so long. So it's uh, it, it's. It's going through the motions of the three, four inning starts down in uh, the minors. And at some point, we believe that Chad Bettis will join the team in the in the major leagues. And it, it would be a huge motivational lift to this team. It's those intangibles that you don't see on a box score that are absolutely huge for this team because this team is in love with Bettis. Well, and by the way, he won 14 games last year. Hey, he's a pretty darn to, good pitcher, nothing too. Nothing yes, to correct. sneeze at either. So when you, when you look at Bettis, potentially, I think to build up that arm strength, remember, he's had, he's had uh, the, the three appearances, two of those starts, but still only gone seven total. So they're slowly working him up to starting numbers. I think if you see him before September, it will probably be in in maybe long relief or find a way to mix and match him into the bullpen so they don't tax him. Otherwise, I think the plan is to maybe work him up and maybe have him ready in September to maybe join that rotation. And and there would be no better time to do it because let's just take a sample of uh, last night's game against the Cardinals. The Rockies uh, soundly thumped. 8-2, 8-2, to two. Antonio Senzatella with only four innings on the night, uh, ties his shortest outing of the season. Yeah, he's still 10-4, but the ERA has now jumped to 4.84. And the fascinating thing is looking at his last five starts. When you look at his last five starts and the outings and what he's been giving up in earned runs, we'll go backwards. June 26th against San Francisco, uh, where he was working out of the pen, in this case, no runs. When it worked out of the pen against Arizona a few days later on July 2nd, again, no runs. Went back uh, out of the pen again from, from the Chicago and one run. Then went put back into the starting rotation against San Diego and St. Louis. Three earned runs, four earned runs respectively, and the strikeout to walk ratio seven to five in those two starts. I, I don't necessarily think Senzatella is wearing down per se, but I think that we've talked about this before. The, the growth curve for rookie pitchers mm-hmm. is that when people haven't seen you, you have an edge. Now that they've seen you, they can adjust to you. Major league hitters, if they get an idea of your pitch sequence, uh, they can jump on what you're hitting. And, and to me, this is part of the normal maturation. But the Rockies can't necessarily accept this happening to all their young guys because right now they have basically four rookies going in their rotation right now. You can't have it all happen at once. The bright side, uh, Sensatella and Kyle Freeland, who's been fantastic of late, 10, ten uh, wins each the first time in 80 years since the Boston Braves in 1937 that two rookie pitchers have 10 or more wins prior to the month of August. It's it's incredible to watch. It really is. Um, Sensatella has been such an interesting player to observe this year from how good he started and uh, how, how his attitude has changed in the clubhouse to a little bit of struggles uh, prior to the All-Star uh, break and then being sent down. And uh, I, I'm curious to know about this Senzatella in the bullpen type thing going long term, because uh, certainly thinking about his arm and how many miles is. But um, as a starter, it's, it's just so funny to watch him because in the first inning, he struggles so much. 
in the first inning, for whatever the reason it is, I have no idea. His ERA is in the eights. Well, that, t- that tells inning. me that the bullpen might not be the best fit. And, and the bullpen may not be the best fit because of that. But then you get going into the second, third, fourth, and fifth inning, he has ERAs in the threes. And so um, it, it is certainly one of those situations, I believe, with, with the young arm that you have to kind of feel your way through this with Sensatella because he is so raw and he is so young. I mean, certainly, um, and this is what goes back to, and I don't know if you want to get into this now, uh, but acquiring somebody at the deadline um, to not not shore up the the pitching rotation, but to push the ro- rotation to the next level. Right. Um, I think you want to enhance it. And when yeah. you look at Senzatella in April, ERA 2.81 in May, 4.11 in June, a whopping 8.10, and then six thus far in July. That this follows the pattern of what we talked of what we talked about. That look, eventually they're figuring him out. Uh, June was horrific. July is looking a little better, but it's still not great. And, and you will find out if Senzatella is going to be the guy that's ready to stick in the major leagues. If now it starts crawling down uh, over the course of the season, but it, it will probably crawl down. This is a guy that, let's be completely honest, was rushed. Uh, the situation with Chad Bettis uh, and the situation with uh, John Gray. I mean, these these are guys that he, he was rushed up there. He broke camp with the team. He wasn't expected to. Now, was he one of the Rockies' top ten prospects? Yes, he was. Was he? Were they hoping that at some point in the season he could contribute? Yes. They certainly had no plans of having him be in the starting rotation on opening day, and, and that's where they were. So I think you have to be a little bit patient with Senzatella sure. as well. But you look at now that the Rockies are getting Tyler Chatwood back to health. The word is that he will go to the bullpen, something that you and I have talked about for months. Yes. And that looks like they're what they're going to do. The other idea is if they were to acquire someone, and we'll get into that trade talk. Let's do that. But perhaps German Marquez and that 98-mile-per-hour heater – might profile rather nicely out of the bullpen. Well, it is interesting, too, to see which young pitcher kind of fits that bullpen the best, and I think it is Herman Marquez, and and certainly, you know, the, the breaking ball is something that they're working on with uh, the pitching coach and Bud Black, but that that fastball is quite interesting. Um, it, it would be a little rough to pull him away from the starting rotation right now because he has pitched so well, but... At some point, you're going to also have to relieve his arm, regardless of where he's at. It's not really a, um, you know, it's not a situation based on the quality or or um, uh, the the inequality. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, um, but the fact of the matter is that they just have to put relief back on his arm and keep him fresh because the Rockies will be in a situation where they will be in a wild card push. And so, and you never know when you're going to need a spot start or, or when sure. someone's going to get hurt. They always happen. So you want to keep uh, guys like that fresh. You want to keep him ready. You want to keep the arm loose that if you need to, that you can bring him back into the rotation because uh, look, nobody gets it done with five pitchers and then the Rockies haven't been able to do it either. Certainly. I mean, and this is a situation where, again, going back to the trade talks, um, I believe acquiring a starter. Okay. It's, it's going to be the more pricey of Even the Even now, everyone, no, the more pricey. Everyone's been talking about adding uh, an arm in mm-hmm. the bullpen, which makes sense, too, in the game against the Cardinals. And it's one game, but the, the relief, Sensatella has a bad outing. The relief just threw gasoline on the fire. Chris Rustin and Jairo Diaz ended up giving up uh, six hits, four runs, uh, walked four, two home runs in their four innings of relief. That made it worse. We know that the Rockies' bullpen is always overtaxed. They need reinforcements there. But now we're talking about the Rockies perhaps needing not to make just one trade of significance for the Major League roster, but maybe two. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, well, and this is where the starting pitcher, I believe, knocks out the two birds and one stone. Because you send one of your pitchers, like a Marquez, 
to the pen then to allow to add to the relief pitching, and then you acquire an ace. Um, and I'm going to particularly point out Sonny Gray uh, okay. because I think he's just a, a fabulous pitcher. He has a controllable contract. He's a guy whose ERA is in the mid-threes. He is a ground ball pitcher, which is really, really important. Uh, he has not pitched at Coors, but it is a guy that I would love to see the Rockies go after. I, it, it's funny that there are actually multiple teams in Denver that kind of are in this situation where it's like, well, you know, do you go all in? Are you willing and to go for it? Are you willing to uh, send prospects, send young pieces to go get that one guy? And I believe there were, it's time for the Rockies. It's to, you know, the culture has changed previously, starting with this previous offseason, hiring Bud Black, spending money for Ian Desmond, outbidding guys for Greg Holland. And you got those guys to get here. To get to this point where you're in position to be a buyer. So why would you change your mindset? Why don't you continue that? Go after a guy like Sonny Gray. And and there's certainly great relief pitchers that they could go after as well too. Uh, but I would love to see them acquire the guy. That would be the guy for them in Sonny Gray that could go up against a Zach Greinke, that could go up against a Clayton Kershaw in the event that they're in a wild card. Now, I think we would both agree that the Dodgers are probably going to win the division. Yes. But regardless, they now have the guy, which I think it's unfair to say that John Gray, who has been kind of pegged as the guy for the Rockies, you can confidently say you throw him out there and get a re- really, really good start on a consistent basis. I, I don't think that's fair to John Gray because he's only pitched so many games for the Rockies. People need to remember that he is not a, he is not a savvy veteran by any means. I mean, he has eleven, he has twelve career wins. Right, and so career total. Chad yeah. Bettis had more last year. Yeah, and so this is certainly a, a name that I would love to see the Rockies pursue. If it means giving up big-time prospects, do it. Well, it would mean giving up big-time prospects. About a week and a half ago, the Chicago Cubs acquired Jose Quintana from the Chicago White Sox as, as they are essentially starting a fire sale there. But it cost them four prospects, including a guy that's the number one guy in their system, outfielder Eloy Jimenez, and then a, a very interesting pitcher in Dylan Cease, one of the strong right-handers there, plus two other prospects. And that was what it took for Quintana, who, by the way, was actually having a pretty awful year at the time. So when you take a look at what it's going to cost and you get into the Rockies' pipeline, are, are you willing to give up a, a Riley Pint? Riley Pint, a Castellani. Bre- Brendan Rodgers, perhaps? Are you really Mc- willing to do that? You know, the and this is the situation that the Rockies are going to have to run into, is they have to look long-term and see, what are they going to do with their lineup? Where, where is Brendan Rodgers going to actually play? I think, he, I think eventually, uh, and that eventually may only be two seasons from now, he would displace Trevor Story and... We'll see what they do with Story in that case. Would he would he move to second? Is DJ LeMahieu going to get uh, the new contract? His arbitration mean, comes up. Now we're talking. Now we're talking about all these question marks and this logjam of players. We you just hinted at it. The Rockies can always have uh, hitters. The Rockies can acquire hitters, or the Rockies will always have great hitters. How, how many years in a row have we those seen those hitters a, for pitchers? Yeah, they've seen a Kadire, a a. Uh, Mark Reynolds, guys that have that have come up that are older guys that can still come up and have a productive year in Coors Field, reset their market value, maybe go somewhere else. Hitter, the difference is hitters want to come to Coors Field. Sure. If the team's competitive. Pitchers, competitive or not, don't want to come to Coors Field. Y- you have to draft them or you have to trade for them. And then you project. Is a guy like Riley Pint 
going to become a Sonny Gray caliber guy in the majors. Maybe. Maybe. But the, the truth of the matter is most minor leaguers, and when I say most, I mean I mean most, I mean three quarters or more, don't become regulars at the major league level. So uh, there's a projection a bit, and the Rockies find themselves in a, in a interesting position because the window they're in, they haven't been in in a very long time. And if you want to change the perception of your franchise to potential free agents, and maybe most importantly, to Nolan Arenado to get him to stay long-term, you probably want to win now. And while you don't like throwing your prospects uh, to other teams, and it's not throwing them away, putting them, sending them to other teams to improve your major league team, that's a, that's a bitter pill to swallow sometimes. But you have to decide who you are. Are you, are you a team that's, that wants to be young and inexpensive and just occasionally pop up and make a run? Or do you really want to make a run while you have the players who can do it? And the Rockies have about a little less than a week to decide if that's the case. As you brought up, Sonny Gray under team control through the 2019 season. So an interesting opportunity there for the Rockies. It's not a rental. It's not that kind of player, which is obviously very important. The Rockies aren't going to trade significant prospects for a rental, and, and I don't believe they should Sure, because this is a, a year that it's, it's not guaranteed. They have a great shot at a, at a wild card. They even have a good shot at winning a wild card. But getting past either the Nationals, who have been just a disastrous matchup for the Rockies. By the way, they'll play them next after the St. Louis series ends. And the Dodgers, that's going to be a steep hill to climb. But again, it's one of those situations where, and I don't understand the the, the fans' fascination with projecting out talent. You know, prospects are unknown until further otherwise. Until they prove that they actually do anything, they are just unknown talents. Now, they tear up. Single A, double A, sure, great. Well, that's well, the catch. Okay, the guys most we're talking major minor league players do that. Pint and Rogers know? are in the low minor leagues. Exactly. They're, they're not. They're not in the high minor leagues. Rogers promoted to double A Hartford now, but uh, neither of these guys are going to get a September call up. I mean, it, they're, they're a ways out. Still. They're they're a solid year or two away. Why would you pass on the opportunity to get a bona fide star? For the idea that maybe in two years, maybe in three years, these guys will get called up and maybe, just maybe, they are quite effective. I don't even know where Brendan Rodgers is going to play right now. Uh, Riley Pine is probably your more valuable piece of the two just because of the fact that he's a pitcher and the Rockies are always looking for pitchers. So I get the fascination and the love for wanting to keep a guy like Rodgers because uh, I've heard multiple people say he is the greatest prospect the Rockies have ever seen. He's considered one of the top dozen prospects in all of baseball. I also want to see championship winning teams on the baseball field right now. I believe this is a championship winning lineup. And defense, as far as bats go and defense, they are good enough when they are on to run with anybody, anybody, but they need pitching right now. And this is what we've been touting this all year long. Uh, You know, certainly we talked about the wall that the rookies are going to hit at some point. They need a veteran guy in there to stabilize everything, to be a, a slide stopper when the Rockies go on a losing streak, because they will. They need a guy to send out their tool wildcard game, knowing that they will get seven innings of maybe one, two-run ball. And and that is perfect for Colorado. That's exactly what they're looking for in a, a starting pitcher, if not better. Sonny Gray's that guy. 
It's an interesting decision they'll run into. We, we've heard a lot of arguments that they may also be in for guys like A.J. Ramos of the Marlins, Addison Reed of the Mets, Brad Hand of the Padres. These guys are all relievers that would make a, a big difference in this case for the, the Rockies. But I think you're making a, a pretty compelling argument here that the Rockies could really use a, a starter. Remember, most of the year, They've been going with four rookies and their five guys. The fact that they've been able to achieve this is pretty remarkable. As a team, the starters in July are averaging a 4.78 ERA. Now, is that okay to, to get it done in Coors Field? Sometimes. But you're talking about the guy with the best ERA this month is Kyle Freeland. He's at 373. I think you have to be happy with that for a Colorado pitcher. But beyond that, Marquez at 420, Chatwood at 474, Senzatella. I mean, you're talking about... At this season, everything is starting to uh, to slow down quite a bit, and teams are catching up to the Rockies' young pitching. It does seem like reinforcements need to be in order. Well, and again, going back to the beginning of the year, this culture change, this all-in, this this making different moves compared to what they used to do last year, that move at this point would be acquiring a Sunny Gray. Let's, the, the cheap move would be acquiring a cheap relief pitcher, hoping that Chad Bettis comes back as the guy in the starting pitcher and just running with that. Uh, that would be your alternative, which is not a bad alternative, but that's a lot more unknowns than acquiring a bona fide ace right now. Let's let's consider something regarding the trade. Teams are going to be looking for teams that are selling proven guys. They, they want to get younger. They want to get cheaper. This is this is why you make those trades. Because they know they're not contenders, and, and they, if you're not a contender, you might as well uh, move on from guys you're not going to keep long term anyway and get some prospects and, and basically kind of jumpstart a rebuild. So the Rockies, who have, have been doing that for a while, now they're at a spot where they believe they can build. One of those guys is not a prospect per se, but carries the salary essentially of a prospect. Trevor Story. Trevor's hitting 237 on the season, 13 home runs. Now, I don't know if he's a guy that's ever going to hit 280. Doesn't seem like that kind of guy. But we all remember the, the April of, of last season where he just looked absolutely electric. He obviously is on a very inexpensive contract. Could Story be part of the equation in a trade? And, and before you answer that, Ronnie, here, here's what I'm, I'm thinking. Pat Valeka has had, of course, far fewer at-bats. He's had less than half of the at-bats as, as uh, Trevor Story, 118 at-bats. But in that 118 at-bats, he has nine home runs already. Trevor Story has 13 and almost 300 at-bats. Valeka is only three months older than Trevor Story, and he's hitting 263 with mm-hmm. the nine home runs. He's been very productive. Now, He's not considered as good a defensive player as Trevor Story, but let's not confuse Trevor Story with Troy Tulowitzki with the glove either. Story is considered to be good enough. Valeka, maybe a little less than that, but not considered subpar. So is there an opportunity, do you think, that perhaps Trevor Story could be an enticement for some of these teams who might be willing to take a chance on a guy that can be on their major league team right off the bat, provide a little bit of pop, and who knows where he goes career-wise? And again, it goes back again to, because if you could if you could maybe trade Story instead of a Brendan Rodgers, sure, you maybe clear up the logjam at shortstop. Valeka holds the fort until Rodgers is ready for another maybe year and a half, and maybe you get the deal done with Story instead. Well, and if if there was a time to deal a guy like him, it would be right now because this is where uh, his value is at its highest. If you believe last year was a fluke, 
Do you believe last year was this uh, fluky run where he had the 25, 26 homers plus whatever he uh, finished with uh, before his injury? Uh, this year has been okay at the plate. You know, it, it hasn't been mind-blowing or anything like power's, that. Power's been good. Batting averages he, is very mediocre, and the pop, strikeout ratio is It's bad. that pop as a shortstop that's very, very appealing to a lot of people. And so uh, can, can Pat Valeka full-time be that guy for Colorado? Because if he can, again, I go back to this log jam that's in the infield right now. You expect Nolan Arenado to be with the team for many, 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 many years to come. Uh, DJ LeMayu, possibly a, a long-term Rocky as well. There is uh, also guys that uh, are sitting right now in the minors that could be called up to. I mean, there is such a log jam with so many hitters in different different situations right now. They've got to move just one or two of these guys. Ian Desmond, uh, he can play both infield and outfield. This gives you a lot of versatility. Take advantage of the money that you paid Ian Desmond and use these assets and move them. Because if you move a guy like Trevor Story and that allows you to keep somebody like a Brendan Rodgers, I'd do that in a heartbeat. And here's the interesting thing about Story. Uh, to his credit, in April he batted 167. In May, 255. In June, 264. The month of July, 286. Now the question is, is that a, a permanent sort of improvement? Is this Trevor Story figuring out the major league pitching? Or is he just uh, maybe warming up? But regardless, the, the power potential and the fact that his average is getting consistently better might make him a very interesting trade chip. And I think that's one of the, the ones where Rockies fans would look at it and go, oh my goodness. But the truth is, the Rockies offense could probably survive without Trevor Story, especially if you have someone like Vileka who has good pop in his Absolutely. in his bat as well. And if that could net you the kind of guy who can jump into your rotation at the major league level without costing you a prospect, it might be worth it because there is nobody in the Rockies organization, as much as they like Trevor Story, that doesn't believe that he's keeping the seat warm for Brendan Rodgers. So the Rockies will have a bunch of interesting decisions to make. They have just about a week to make them. I expect, as we bring this to a close here, I expect that they bring at least a bullpen arm in before the time you and I get back and talk about this next week after the trade deadline. Do you expect them to do even more than that? Or is it more of a hope? I, uh, the hope by my perfect world here is they acquire Sonny Gray. I, I don't believe they will. I think that price is going to be too steep for them. They're going to take a look at that. That They're going to make phone calls with the A's, and they're going to say, well, we looked at Brendan Rodgers and that Riley Pine. They're like, ah, no, we can't do that. Uh, certainly, I think they're going to be in the market for a relief pitcher. Uh, I think there are like enough relief pitchers Reed, on the market that they can get a Nishak, one. Certainly a, a high-profile guy they're going to be looking at. There's, there's, For whatever the reason, there's a gut feeling that makes me think they are going to stand pat. There is a gut feeling inside me that says they they are good enough right now to where they're just waiting for uh, maturity, experience right now here at the deadline. They don't want to do anything drastic. Because the, the fact of the matter is to go back to the, what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, they have the fifth best record in the majors right, right now. But when you look at how it's laid out, that's good enough for a wild card right now in the NL. And, and that's that's as good as it's going to get. Yeah, They're not catching the Dodgers end of story. You know, and, and this is not a team I think that anybody looks at and says, well, they, they can win the World Series this year, you know. But certainly a interesting, intriguing door opens. Well, I mean, you get in the playoffs and you roll the dice. You yeah. take your chances. You hope you get hot. And uh, no, would they be the favorite? No. Would they be the favorite in virtually any part of the NL playoffs? No. 
but it doesn't mean you can't get it done. And the, the idea is to punch your ticket for the postseason and then see what happens. I mean, that's part of what makes baseball so much fun is you, you've you seen so many wacky things happen in, in the postseason, going from the first time the, the Rockies made the World Series. A shocker. At the same time, that was the Boston Red Sox over on the AL side. They eventually beat the Rockies, but coming back from a 3-0 deficit to do it in the yeah. ALCS. Uh, you, you see that all sorts of crazy things can happen in the postseason. The idea is to get there. I'm going to go the other direction. I think they add uh, maybe an A.J. Ramos, a guy like that, to help in the eighth inning for setting up Greg Holland to try to shorten the game if they can get a lead. But it feels to me like the Rockies, they could stand pat, but I think they probably need to do something. I, because the Chicago Cubs are coming. I think sure. the Cubs will eventually surpass the Brewers. But the Brewers are an awfully good team, too. The Rockies, I think, will be battling with the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. And by the way, don't look now. But the Pirates, seven and a half games out. The Rockies beat them two out of three, but but they seem to be warming up a little bit. And the Cardinals, even though you look at them and say they're nine out, well, they beat the Rockies in the first game. If they were to have to sweep the Rockies, that nine games, that goes to a six. Well, in looking long term, to go back to, to Ramos, certainly that kills two birds in one stone because he, you could really say he becomes your closer next year if you acquire if you, a guy if you like can't, that. If you can't if you retain can't Holland. Bring, if you can't retain Holland, which... Uh, there is a lot of people that I've talked to that believe this could be the the only year for Greg Holland here in Colorado. Uh, that may change certainly in the future, but as well, if you were to acquire a guy like Ramos, that certainly gives you your guy for the ninth next year. The best week. chance you have to retain Greg Holland is prove to Greg Holland and his agent that you have a winning team that's worth staying on. So the Rockies now are in a very interesting spot where not only do they want to win, but they also want to impress upon the players who have made them winners that this is not a blip. This is a sea change for the Colorado Rockies mm-hmm. who are interested in contending now. And now that we're just uh, we're basically two-thirds of the way through the season, uh, it's going to be a fascinating time. Trade deadline, uh, as always, the end of July, just a few days from now. We'll stay on top of it with you. Uh, Ronnie Court, always down there at Coors Field. He's sitting in the locker room. He talks to the guys all the time. It's always terrific to have him here. Uh, thank you again for joining me, Ronnie. Yeah, Make sure you follow you him yeah. on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio for all the latest with the Rockies and, and a whole bunch of other things because out here at Mile High Sports, uh, he's, he's our he's our. Mr. Everything here, catching I, everything, I am, uh, covering the everything. Infield uh, tool man, utility yes. infielder, utility omnipresent. Infielder. <laughs> uh, not quite omniscient yet, but omnipresent, and that's that's the way to get there. Remember to visit our friends at Tap Fourteen. That's Tap Fourteen.com. Spell it out. Nineteen Twenty Blake Street, Seventy Colorado Beers, Hundred Colorado Distilled Spirits. And the best views in town. Uh, you can catch me there. Uh, well, more often than I might like to admit. And certainly when we record the podcast, uh, this podcast, very podcast out there on location uh, a couple times a month during day games for the Colorado Rockies, too. So make sure uh, you visit them in person. Make sure you visit them on the website. And, uh, well, come hungry and come thirsty. So thank you to Tap 14 as well. So for Ronnie Court, I'm Sean Drotar. You can follow me if you'd like at S Drotar. And you can catch me mornings at My Life Sports Radio, 1340 AM, 104.7 FM in Denver, or online on demand at milehighsports.com. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back soon enough, and we may look at a Colorado Rockies roster that's a little bit different. For Ronnie, I'm Sean. This has been a 5280 Sports Network production.